listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. We're looking at Romans, and we stopped in verse 7 of chapter 8, and we kind of paused. We were looking at Dioti. Uh, Dioti, which is um, is is a somewhat equivalent in meaning to OT, but obviously there's some additional marking going on there because it's from Dia. Apparently, it's from Dia Tuto OT. So on account of this reason, that. So on account of on account of this. So it's it's translated for, or because. But um, really, I think there's a little bit more going on because it's, it's kind of ramped up. And so I like to try to tease out the difference in translation, you know, because it's, we just translated because or for, it sounds like it's a gar or a OT. There's also another conjunction that means like for or because it's epi, which means like since, not the conjunct, the preposition epi, but it's spelled with uh, epsilon iota at the end, since. So, you know, is is he, if there is a remnant of like a demonstrative pronoun, like on account of this, that, then it may be that there's a, like a particular kind of a specificity that's happening right here. So perhaps because in fact, or something like that, but, you know, somehow to ramp it up that he's, He's, he's reaching some kind of um, statement, final statement or whatever. So, because in fact, tofronema tes sarkos ekthra is theon. To gar nomo tu theu uk upotasete. Udegar dunete. So for in fact, because in fact, the mindset of the flesh, and this is a verbless clause, so um, we have to supply it. Usually if it's a verbless, we try to supply ini or the copula, some form of the copula, or we supply a verb from the context. But we've been seeing like verse six is, is verbless. So at this point, we're supplying you know, some form of imi, some form of imi, so we just say, you know, the mindset of the flesh is ekthra, enmity, ekthra is theon, towards God. And the is is uh, directional and may even signify some kind of like destination, you know, so it's not a, it's not a good thing at all. Enmity that's directed at God, the mindset of the flesh. Now, fronema is related to um, the verb we've been seeing um, throneo in verse 5. Verse 5 says, For those being according to the flesh have their mind set on the things of the flesh. So have their mind set on, to be intent upon. Um, Thronema, uh, when you have, so, so Greek has, um, adjectives and nouns and verbs that 
they, they're cognates, they're built off from each other. And when you see a ma noun, a noun formed with ma, the ma is marking usually result or consequence. So it's like having a bad mindset and the result of that, you know, thinking a certain way, being intent on something, but what's the end result of that? Having a mindset. I think mindset is a good translation. It's like a, a destination or a result point. You know, it's like the final result of having, uh, having your mind intent on something. Hi, welcome. So, so the you know the end re end result mindset of the flesh is death, something like that. But the phronema of the spirit is life and peace. So that's verse six. So he's 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 almost repeating himself, but now he's he's elaborating just a little bit more. He says that the mindset of the flesh is enmity towards God. For to the law of God, it is not able to submit. So this verb upotaso or upotasome um, is is uh, takes the dative case as its direct object. So the to nomo is the direct object of upotasate, and um, so that's why it's in the dative case. Obviously, it's fronted in front of the verb. So that kind of throws you off, right? By this point in Greek, you realize there's this flexible word order. And this, this is called scrambling. So certain language allow for scrambling of elements. And the scrambling of word order is for the sake of prominence or focus and these kinds of things. Or framework, providing like a framework. So to the law of God, it is not able to submit. We're in verse seven, for it is not able to, for it is not able to. So you have a lot of um, supporting statements, D-O-T, you know, because in fact, gar for, gar for. And we're, we noticed last time that we're, the discourse is gonna shift pretty radically because we've been seeing lots of Lots of gars, lots of supporting statements, but in verse eight, we're gonna, gonna get de, 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 de. Like he's gonna he's gonna start to make new points, and so we we'll have to pay attention. Like there, there seems like kind of a shift here, and almost it's almost like we've reached the the bottom of the problem, almost like the root of the problem, like. Why is it so bad to be having a mindset of the flesh? Because it's enmity towards God. It's not able to submit to the law of God. It's not able to. It doesn't submit. It's not even able to. So that's what's achieved by the udagar. The uda is a negative u with de. And that de is marking a new development. So we translate that nor is it able to. So, for the mindset of the flesh is not submitting to the law of God, nor for neither is it able to. So the gar is marking strengthening and the de is making a, a further statement about that. So not only does it not submit, it's not even able to submit. And that's, uh, that's significant. So the mindset of the flesh. So there's something about the flesh 
when it gets into like a final state of being, when we somehow are so oriented by our creatureliness, our flesh as a as representing the fact that we're created, when we're in that mindset, we're just not even able to submit to the law of God. Sin is so infiltrated our our flesh. Um, maybe our appetites, our orientation, our you know, even what we imagine. It's almost like there's some kind of um, ceiling on our ability um, to, to, to live differently. So verse 8 then. Someone want to translate verse 8? I mean, um, read it and then translate? Yeah. Okay, thanks. They go, oh, they go to the verb first, yeah. Yes, good. Yeah, so the ones, so here the de, I like to translate as moreover sometimes, and I think this really works right now. You know, and sometimes it's and or but, you know, we, there are different ways to translate the dad, but it's marking new development or distinctive development. And in this case, I think moreover works pretty well. Moreover, the ones, the ones in the flesh being, that's a big substantive. So you've got a participle on test with an article functioning by itself makes a noun, which is called a substantive. And it's sandwiching the in flesh. So the ones being in the flesh, and then you go to the verb, udunate, are not able. And then with the verb dunate, or duname, you're looking for a, a complementary infinitive. Certain verbs take an infinitive to complete their meaning. I want to do something, I'm able to do something. I hope to do something. So we, we have this in English as well. So Greek has this. And so you learn certain verbs will tend to take the infinitive and then you start looking for that infinitive. What makes this one just a little bit tricky is that you have the infinitive placed in front of the verb. And then the object of that infinitive is theo to please, um, to please takes the uh, dative case. So to be to, to please God. So Arista is an aorist active infinitive that takes the dative case to please God. Um, yeah, most often with dative of persons, it says in the lexicon. So yeah, the word order is uh, there's a lot of fronting that's going on um, to kind of say what's in focus then also to stress kind of new ideas. So typically objects of um, the verb follow the verb. Um, but when you, when you start putting them in front of the verb, you're putting some kind of stress on them. And here, um, the stress is on the, 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 you know, the goal of pleasing God and now the inability to please God. That word group, by the way, is really um, 
really good to study, like to please God. Like that's a fun word study, you know, what pleases God? Who's able to please God? What pleases God? How do we please God? So this idea of, of you know, being uh, pleasing to God is, is really worth studying. Um, yeah. All right, so they are not able. So present tense, these, these are kind of present tense realities. Not able to submit to God, uh, not submitting to God, not able to, not able to please God. And that's a pretty serious problem, to not be able to be pleasing God. So here, then in verse 9, we have, um, we get some good news. Paul turns and starts speaking a little bit more positively. And uh, would, does someone want to uh, read that aloud and then tr translate? I'll go. We have someone. Well, we'll let Bossy do it since Bossy's online. Go ahead, Bossy, nice and loud. Okay. Do you want the whole verse or just the first sentence? Well, well, we'll let you do the first verse and we'll let Stephanie do the second part. We'll okay. let you do 9A. Thank you. What's highlighted? Who makes the orchestra and sake, Allah and Numati, Hyper Numatheo Oikeo, and Human. All right, and then how would you translate that? Um, I would take the Humes in emphatic, I don't know, but, but you yourself, mm -hmm. you are not in the flesh, expecting a yes answer. Okay. No, no, it's not a question. Yeah, if it's a not. question, it would be expecting a yes, but it's not a question. It's just a simple declaration. You yourself are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. But in the spirit. In spirit, thank you. If indeed a pair or since the spirit of God oikeo dwells in you within you, among you, things like that, so. Hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, so the umis here is, um, it's, it's, it's not necessary, but it helps to mark contrast. So there's emphasis in terms of contrast. A new, new points being made, new, new distinctive point, death. You yourselves are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So this is called a, a counterpoint point construction, uk Allah. So not this, but this. Um, if indeed the spirit of God dwells, is dwelling in you. Yeah. Now the iper, um, you translated it since, which is okay, but there's other words that translate since. And so I like to keep iper as a, as a condition, as a condition. Now, with conditionals, there is a sense logic. If, if then indicates a causation logic. Um, cause to effect. But it's flipped here. Yeah. And there's emphasis. So usually the if part of a condition, what's called the uh, protasis, occurs first. But when it occurs last, there's some stress on it because it, it's it's breaking the normal default positioning. 
in addition to that last positioning, you also have the pair added to it, the iper. Now, pair is an interesting word because it actually has its separate entry in our lexicon, BDAG, but it never occurs alone. It's always added to some conjunction. And BDAG says it's a particle with intensive or extensive force. And it's come with the words, and the words, so the words compounded with it. So dio pair, aeon pair, e pair, as we have here, epi day pair, epi pair, you get the idea. Kafa pair. So pair is, it's hard to translate, but it's adding a little bit of oomph to it. And um, so here you have um, a little bit of stress on this. And I think the reason why you have stress on this is because this is the underlying reality of, of what really matters. Is the spirit of God dwelling in you or not? If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. All right. So Stephanie, do you want to read the second part of verse nine then? Can I ask a quick question? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just wondering why the definite article is not being used here. Um, especially with the spirit of God. Um, is that because it comes before the verb or is it because the influence of the or what is it? You know, um, the rules of article use would, would suggest that when something is introduced for the first time, it doesn't have the article, but thereafter it should have the article unless it's stressed. And I would suggest that there's stress on the spirit of God. And part of that stress is seen also in its fronted position. Yeah. And so one principle that I began seeing with prominence structures is that you often have more than one way that stress is being marked. So we saw that with E pair. So not only is the E following the main clause, it has a pair added to it. It doesn't always have to have a pair, but that helps mark that as stressed. And so not only is um, Panevma Theyu the, um, well, I guess it is the, I guess it's the subject. So it's not the object, but as subject, uh, Greek has the normal word order of verb, subject, object. That's its default word order. So verb comes first, then subject, then object. So when you start seeing a variation of that, we're looking for different uh, prominence or of um, thematic focus. So um, here, the fact that the, the subject is placed before the verb is placing some stress on it. And so for me, it's not surprising that also it's lacking the article, which would help stress it as well. So these rules of article use are, um, Jenny, Jenny Reed Heimedinger explained uh, to those of us at the Society of Biblical Literature, like a pre-meeting, and then I've had some personal correspondence with her, and then I was able to, to describe these uh, principles in my Koine Greek Grammar textbook. So um, I think it's a really interesting area of research, and um, yeah, the article usage is, 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 is interesting, confusing, at times interesting. So I'm, I'm trying to always be aware of what might motivate the presence or lack of article. 
Yeah, so I think here there's some stress. The Spirit of God. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Stephanie, you want to read the second part? Yep, or some spirit. Oh, wait, no, someone. That's right, someone. That's the subject. Good. Yes. Yes, this one is not his or belong to him, but you, you, know, you basically got it. Good job. Yeah, so Stephanie's a second semester Greek student. She got it. So Des post positive. But if someone does not have the spirit of Christ, this one is not his. Yes. Yes. Right. So Lifne, she's one of our new doctoral students. She says this is a leftist location of. Uh, clause and the, uh, and that's exactly right so the leftist location um, has um, something introduced to the far left and then it has a pronominal trace that picks it back up in the main clause which it sounds a little bit weird because you don't need the this and so in my Koine Greek grammar, I really was intrigued by this leftist location. And you have frameworks, which are like, this, this would be a framework, I think, although it might be a topic, but I think it's a framework. And then you have topics. So I, I try to parse this out and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking, why does this occur? So I'm drawing on general linguistic studies. And my basic conclusion is that they mark discontinuity. So there's a, to the immediate argument, so the, the immediately preceding uh, idea, by using a leftist location right here, this construction marks discontinuity, which means like a contrast. And sure enough, you see the contrast, right? You have, and you have the first part of verse nine, if the spirit of God dwells in you, that's contrasted with if someone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, this one is not his. So this is what's this is what's achieved by a leftist locate leftist location. So you can read. I have a pretty extensive discussion of this in my Koine Greek grammar in the late. I think it's chapter twenty-one. Yeah, good leftist location topic. Do you think there is any significance in exchange into the um, third person singular? I mean, he's talking about you and you and you, and then he yeah. goes off and... Um... Yeah, I think the tis, right? It's an indefinite pronoun. Yeah. So I, I, that's a great question. I always think it's important to pay attention to the pronouns being used and because they start telling a story. So at this point, I think the fact that he uses a, a third singular and an indefinite pronoun creates an epistemic distance to the idea 
In other words, he's not painting it super vividly. Um, you know, should this be the case, if, if someone, I'm not talking about you, because you, the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if someone, if you happen to know someone, this one is not his. So I think that's part of the, the pragmatic effect of changing to third singular with an indefinite pronoun. But he is using the utos, this one, which it's near. So, so the other thing I noticed about the left dislocated topics, they have an immediate discontinuity with the previous idea, but they also have broader continuity to the argument. And I think the fact that he uses the utos is this, this indicates I'm concerned about this, <laughs> you know, whether you have the spirit or not. You know, so this is a near idea, but it's not my, my point for you. I'm not doubting whether you do, but the idea of someone having the spirit of God or, or not, this is important. Okay, um, how about verse 10? Someone want to read verse 10 and then translate? Okay, thanks, Jeff. Good reading, yeah, nice. And so we get another of these. Um, he's making another conditional statement with yep. death. Yep. Um, he does, there's an assumed, uh, it looks like there's an assumed genie verb. That's right, so, assumed verb. So implied. Moreover, but um, yep. if Christ is in you all, yeah. Uh, then we have men, which is like certainly are indeed like, strengthening the argument. Um, so he's using a different word, but it's body instead of flesh. Then that's right. It's body. Is there another implied verb of being here? Yeah. Yeah. There is. And yeah. So you've got uh, would be then is dead. Yeah. So great. Accusative. So because of or um, on account of. Sin. Yeah. Um, but then it's got it, uh, so it's it's a new development. And yeah. It looks like it's contrasting. Yes. So it would be but new development contrasting. The spirit. Um, the spirit is Zoe. Life. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. On account of or because of righteousness. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. So the men da forms a point counter or point a counterpoint point set. So men da works together. It's a very good classical idiom on the one hand and then on the other hand. And so here you have a contrasting content. So people will say, well, da marks contrast. No, it's you, it can be used in contrasting statements. And but da marks a new development, and here it's coordinating with men. And men and Men is anticipating what comes next, and so it can work with da, and so da is the destination in a sense. You know, we, we don't want to stay. You know, we don't want to stay with the reality of the body is death because of sin. I mean, that's true, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Yeah, on account of righteousness. Yeah. 
So nice verbalist statements. And um, we should be talking about the type of conditional sentences. And I don't like the traditional way of classifying them, first, second, third, fourth class. It's not, it's not concrete enough. Uh, so I advocate in chapter 26, a different model, which is a classical model, comes out of Smythe's grammar. And these are just, these are present simple conditions. E with the present indicative, followed by the present indicative in the conclusion or the apotesis. So they're just, he's, he's talking about present realities. And I, I think it's often helpful to think of the time frame and some of the semantics. This is kind of just a, a default present tense uh, condition, present time frame condition. So nothing really too remarkable, although it is, I think, you know, important for us just to think about. He's talking about you know, realities that are now, that can be existing now. Yeah. Is it significant that he switches to soma as opposed to using, I guess, sharp here because? What he's saying then is not that this flesh that's been causing so much problems is dead, but it's the body. Like, is he trying to, like, is it significant that yeah, it is. there yeah. still needs, seems to be a sense in which even though you're a the spirit is life, yeah. there's still going to be that wrestling with something else. That's great. Great question. Yeah, so... The issue is, yeah, the question is, is why does he switch to Soma here? Yeah, and that's great. Um, so Jeff is also a second semester Greek student and him and Stephanie are nailing it. Um, so Sarks has to, the profiles, I think, construes our, our creatureness and sin is somehow really entangled in that as we try to survive and our desires and and the consequence of that is that our soma dies. So soma profiles like our our entire person, in a sense, um, like our body as a container that has members, and our body dies. So, so while we have this sarks existence, we don't have to live by that sarks existence, which is having enmity and hatred towards God, but we still have a body that we have to live in, but that's also gonna, that's gonna die. And that presents a bit of a problem for us. And chapter eight is gonna get into our sufferings, our pathema ta. For I don't consider sufferings worth compared to the future glory to be revealed in us. So this is really part of our struggle, perhaps even as, as fleshly creatures, the fact that we have these passions and desires and really sufferings of all kinds. So not only temptation desires and sufferings, but also just ailments. And I mean, I mean I'm 55 now, it sucks getting old. It really does, you know? My mind, and like, I'm still like a teenager or like a 20 year old, like I just think I can do stuff. I just jump and just climb up the ladder. But it's dangerous now. <laughs> it's dangerous. So yeah, I think I think as we see the discourse moving forward, he's going to wrestle with this idea of our bodiliness and the consequences of that as death. 
but now we have a new force working on us that's going to counteract that although we're still all going to die yeah that's a good it's really good to pay attention to the switching between the terms i think it's helpful yes dr long yes hi fin fin yeah i can you explain more about the the other terms, kind of the spirit of God and then the spirit of Christ and also the verse 10 in Christ? Did any kind of the different or just Paul want to emphasize the same thing? Oh, I think that's beautiful, Fen Fen. Another great observation because because what does Christ reveal about us in terms of our soma? I mean, why is it so nice that now we're talking about Christ's spirit. What do you think? In regard to our bodies dying. Because his body died and was resurrected. Right? So that same spirit of Christ is in us. And so it helps us realize the same life of Christ. Christ died in his flesh, but also was, you know, died in his body, but was raised into a new body. So I think it's significant that the spirit is described as the spirit of Christ. Can yeah. I ask a question here? Yeah. Uh, in this verse 10, you've got two uses of dia, um, dia hamatia and dia dikosunin. Yeah. Uh, must these be translated in exactly the same way? I mean, I can understand why the the body is mortal or dying because of sin, but does it mean because of righteousness? Um, the spirit is life. I mean, I don't quite get that. Or should it be due to righteousness or what? You know, um, at Asbury here, we're part of the holiness tradition and we believe in sanctification. And this word righteousness is really important and life comes by living righteously. Um, and so I think, I think sin and righteousness are opposed as, as sin categories, as, as you know, sin versus the opposite of sin categories. And so I think Paul would say there's a life, um, the spirit helps us to live and we're living because actually we're living differently. We're living in a, in a righteousness that is both imputed imparted and imputed i mean imputed and imparted so righteousness that is embodied um so he's been urging us that we li we live differently now so chapter six you know, should if we're under grace do we keep on sinning he says no way so and the thing is is that righteousness is preparing for resurrection as well i think it was one of our students here he then studied with um was it Andrew Lincoln? He might have been Andrew Lincoln's last student, um, Matt Riley. I think it was his dissertation. He looked at righteousness in relation to resurrection in, Re in Romans. So in other words, he tracked that connection. So I think the fact that he's contrasting sin and righteousness when he's talking about a body as well is looking forward to the fact that that now believers are called to have a righteous life and that the spirit helps us to live righteously and that this is also looking forward to our resurrection how we live matters now yeah so i don't, I don't know if i'm 
so there's obviously a parallelism and i think that um you know christ lives righteously and he brings life but he also transfers that righteousness to us but also through his spirit imparts it to us so we can embody that yeah that's how i would i would connect those ideas so verse 11 then um someone want to translate or read and then translate verse 11 that's a long long one okay noah's gonna read 11. if you like take my turn Yes. Pardon me, Peter. Um, do you want me to read verse 11 to do my turn? <laughs> yeah, we'll let you do it. We'll let you read. Um, go ahead, read. Go ahead, read for all verse 11. Sorry, no. Okay. Go ahead, Peter. I did top a new matu a guy randos on you soon, ek nekron, or kai en humin, or ek iris piston ek nekron. So a poesai, kaetoth neta, somata, humon, diatu, enoikuntos, autu, pneumatos, en humin. Great. Yeah. So how would you translate that? I'll say, um, but if the spirit of the one who raised up Jesus from among the dead um, lives, in you or among you the one who raised up christ from the dead shall make alive also um your mortal bodies i suppose to yes. the one who dwells or lives um by his spirit in you or by his spirit who indwells within you or yeah in, or among you i suppose yeah in or among you so through the indwelling through spirit, spirit who dwells among you yes through his spirit who dwells indwelling spirit of his dwelling among you or the through the spirit of his indwelling among you yeah it's 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 tricky um the one raising Jesus. Yeah. So here we have to disambiguate um, who's the his here at the end. The, through the spirit of his, is that Christ's spirit? Um, which I think probably, I guess it's the, actually be God's spirit because the spirit of the one who raised Jesus. Yeah. So it's interesting. So here we have e there, so new development, going back to the first 11, the start. And uh, so I'm looking at what kind of condition this is. So you get e there with the present indicative, and then the main verb is zoopac, which is future. So this would be a, um, a mixed condition. It starts out as a present simple, probably, but then moves into a future orientation, future tense. So future, probably more vivid condition, but it's a mixed present moving to future. And so he's connecting. I mean, theologically, it's kind of important that so the present indwelling of the spirit is related to our future 
making alive of our mortal bodies. And that ked there, after making alive, zoopiasi, is a marking thematic addition. So also, will make alive also your mortal bodies. Yeah. So if the so if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one raising Jesus from the dead, and this is what your questions were anticipating. I mean, I wasn't reading verse 11 when I was saying all that I was saying. I, I really didn't read through the text. So this was where Paul's going. You can see he's connecting these ideas of Christ's resurrection with our future resurrection, particularly meeting us in our mortal bodies. Yeah. Raising up our mortal bodies through the, his, the spirit. Yeah, that this last prepositional phrase is a bit gnarly through the the indwelling spirit of his among you or in you yeah so the spirit is so important for paul because it's a guarantor it guarantees our future bodily resurrection so not only does the spirit produce righteousness in our living like empower us to live differently it's also connecting us to the, the future, the eschaton. Yeah. So, so Basi. Yeah, Dr. Long, if you go back to verse 9, I was wondering the aspect of the two verbs there, the two negated verbs, AK and Eston. Um, You want to speak a little bit more about the aspect of those verbs, what is doing to defining the present state? Is it if you do not have currently you are not and then he's moving down in verse 11 that we just read he established from a present reality and then connect to a future reality do you want to like i mean is that something that you want to do on this platform because i think it's beautiful that there's a theological conundrum there that he defines um the possession of the spirit currently equaling the definition of what a christian is so i don't know yeah, yeah, no, I think I think that's worth noting. I mean, it raises questions about whether, you know, once saved, always saved, or is by using the condition here, as he said, is there an impl implication that one might in the future not have the Spirit of God dwelling in them? And then that would put them obviously in jeopardy in terms of uh, having their body, mortal bodies made alive or not. Um, but certainly he is making you know he's wanting to urge this as a present reality that has a future corresponding reality and that's what the um thematic addition of the ke adds you know also if this is true now this also will happen to your mortal bodies he will also make alive yeah all right well a lot of fun We have time for one more verse. We have five till one. Yeah, so yeah, we gotta do one more for Noah. So Noah's gonna read verse 12 and maybe 13a. Yeah, up to Apothneskin. Um, 
katasarka tain. Egar katasarka zete milite apotnisim. Doubling up the, the uh, what should we call it here? The Ararun, yeah, it's double connectives. I'm just going to say one therefore, but Mark, that that's pretty, yeah, that's significant enough. Yeah. Um, therefore, brothers, um, we uh, are not under obligation or under obligation not to, uh, not to, not in the flesh to live according to the flesh. Um, mm. For if, uh, if you live according to the flesh, um, hmm. mm. uh, you are to die according to the flesh in the future. <laughs> or you're about to die. You're about to die. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Melissa is new to me. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You're about to die. <laughs> yeah, for if you live according to the flesh, you are about to die. <laughs> no, it's so such a weird word. Pardon me? Yeah, um, the living, we're obligated um, not in the flesh or with reference to the flesh to live. Yeah, so it's going with Tain, Zane. So to Zane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, because really, if infinitive structure has a accusative, yeah, except I'm wondering if a failure takes a genitive. Um, yeah. I, so I think it takes the genitive, a failure obligators to live according to the flesh. So that's why you have the genitive with the, with the infinitive. And sometimes you'll, you can have the genitive with the infinitive for purpose, but I don't think purpose works here. Yeah. So we are obligators, not in reference to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So this is the, so this is, this is the other conundrum that we're in is that in Christ, we still have a, we still have a fleshly existence. Like we still are sark, we still have sarks. And so Sarks is not always negative for Paul, although it, he does, like in Galatians 2.20 says, in I, the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I think it's the context in which we find ourselves and so in which so often there is struggle because of our creatureliness and we tend to become self-referential basing stuff on our flesh and that's where our passions really are at play and these get us astray. And so we, so you know, the Gnostics want to just like really deny the flesh and just become all mind, but that doesn't work either. So Colossians, Paul is talking about people who are trying to, you know, by following certain rigid restrictions of the body that to somehow get to some perfection. And so that's not the solution. So we just have to be sober and say, we live in the flesh now, but we don't set our minds on the things of the flesh we set our minds on the things of the, the spirit, but we can't deny that we're in the flesh still. Like uh, we still are in the flesh. So what are we going to do about that? He says we're not an obligator. We're not obligators to live 
in the flesh, according to the flesh. And that's good news. You know, I mean, are we going to take him at his word at that? We, we don't have that debt anymore um, to do that. We're not obliged to do that anymore. That's a huge statement. You know, some people's like, well, I can't help myself. I'm just, I'm in the flesh. I can't help it. Paul, th that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for him. And then verse 13 is like really scary. <laughs> if you live according to the flesh, you're about to die. <laughs> I mean, it almost raises the question, you know, Basi, you know, your question about present tense is, you know, um, what if, what if in the future we're not in the spirit? We're about to die, I guess. You yeah. know, I mean, like it's, a, it's a danger for us. And in the second part of verse 13, Paul changes to so much, so much else. Yeah. Not flesh. Yeah. So if by the spirit you died to the deeds of the body, you will live. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that two somatas is used. I might have expected sarks. Okay. And guess what? There's a, there's a textual variant there. The Western, the Western tradition, almost exclusively, it seems like, DFG and, and uh, Irenaeus Latin. The Latin tradition switched that to the uh, sarcos, te sarcos which I can understand why they would do that. The deeds of the body, you will live. Well, I think we need to stop there. We'll pick up maybe right at verse 14. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.